0: Hello and welcome to the GMS Magazine Podcast. This is The Boardroom, the show in which me, Paco Garcia, get together with my friend and co-host Chris Diaz and we talk about all sorts of things regarding role-playing games and board games. Today, though, it's a little bit special because we have Ryan Benjamin with us. Ryan is an Eisner-winning comic book artist who's done work for Marvel, DC, well, anyone. I mean, you, you just name it. And, and he's going to tell loads of stories about that and loads of seriously, seriously interesting stories. And um, he's he's going Kickstarter. He's going into board game publishing. He's going to do his dream Come true, and we wanted to ask him a lot of questions because, my goodness, this was an absolutely fantastic interview. Anyway, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna keep going because um, there's lots of things to hear in this interview. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, please do let me know what you think. Email me at podcast.gmsmagazine.com. I'd love to hear what you have to say. If you want to be featured or reviewed in this podcast, by all means, do let me know. Just get in touch. I am at GMS Magazine in Twitter, Chris is Diaz Ex Machina. Uh, we are in Facebook as well, and we would love to hear from you. But right now, sit back and enjoy. Here's Ryan.
1: you're you're the introductory guy you're
0: before that no this is your thing you could you go for it now
1: all right well this is this is this is this is is, is your show this is the gms podcast
0: uh, no bullshit this is your show too screw that
1: gms podcast i am christias
0: and i am Paco garcia
1: and we are talking to the great ryan benjamin uh comic artist now game creator who's launching um his first Kickstarter, a uh, first board game Kickstarter. Um, yes. On, I guess it would be specifically. It's it maybe launching by the time you post this, but it's June 14th is the date uh, where Brothers Bond is going to launch. After how long? Five years?
2: It's been that long. I thought it was a little bit less than that. Man, it's been five years. That's well. Incredible.
1: Remember, there was like we we all went into stasis in 2020. Yeah, you have to, you have to add a year into everything. But, yeah. yeah it's at least at least three or four years i'm trying to remember now um uh let's see here i i, I, I bet you it's going to be it, it's 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 a lot but uh it's sort so it, of so it began with uh you coming to northern fan con up in mm-hmm. prince george and um and then uh, we, you know, I was I was already working on role playing games, and we had a a great conversation regarding uh, your property. Uh, so the first thing I want to ask you is, uh, what is Brothers Bond? Don't talk about the the board game. What is Brothers Bond? The history of of, <laughs> of the IP, your story, and so forth.
2: Okay, so uh, Brothers Bond is a creator owned IP. Uh, I came out with uh, a couple years ago. Actually, it's been a while since I've I've been working on this. Um, so I, I started working on this IP probably, um, or I came up with it, uh, probably nine years ago. Um, and it came out of, uh, my frustrations from working in the the comic industry, you know, working for Marvel and DC and everything. Um, um, and my frustration was this, it was, I felt like Um, every time I would draw a comic, it wasn't 100% what was in my head because there's a stage that go, that you go through. There's a pencil, a pencil stage and inking stage and then a coloring stage. And at the end of the day, I'm like, it looks great, but it's not what's in my head. So I was frustrated and I wanted to do something that's in, in my head. So I decided I'm just going to create my own IP and just start drawing. Um, so I just. I remember when I was telling my friend about it, I was literally writing the story as I'm telling him my frustrations and I kind of riffed off of uh, just the things that I like. Uh, A lot of those cartoons that I grew up with, you know, Thundercats, He-Man, the Silverhawks. uh, You know, that, 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 that that, uh, uh, 80s cartoon genre, 80s, late uh, or early 90s genre. Um, And um, I I um came up with a storyline about this one young kid, he's a young Japanese prince because I'm I'm very much into like the Asian culture and the Asian lore and everything. Um and and another thing as I'm as I'm designing a story around this young prince, uh, I started thinking what would be cool that I can add to this and then I started thinking ninjas. That would be great. And I was like, wait a minute, blind nin- ninjas, blind samurai ninjas let's do that blind samurai ninjas and this kid I'll do that um and that that came off of a lot of the the, the anime and, and manga that like I grew up watching you know from uh you know uh blood of the last vampire you know Akira you know that that era um so um so from from that I came up with this storyline about this young kid this young kid he's a Japanese prince um that was very rambunctious. He didn't listen to authority. He didn't do anything other than just cause trouble. And the only person he was afraid of was his father, who's the emperor. And because of this one, this one uh, ceremony that that was going on with the, with the kingdom, with his dad, that it was involved with his dad and his family, his family bloodline and everything. He decided to do something that pissed off his dad really pissed off his dad and instead of facing his dad he decided to run off to run away and as he's running away or dur- during the course of him running away he got into some trouble which he almost lost his life and he was rescued by these two blind samurais yeah, hence the blind samurai super samurai ninjas and um <clears throat> they took him into this magical forest and they raised him from this 12 year old knucklehead kid who was just ca- causing trouble everywhere he went into this 20 21 year old young man uh who's who's more uh responsible they they basically we re- had to reteach him how to be a man how to how to live off the land uh how to, how to not rely on on his wealth and his his prestige and take and relearn how to rob basically learn how to rob from the rich and give to the poor. That's in the very essence of it. So throughout that, that, uh, that, that, that course of thinking that he goes on a variety of adventures where he battles like goblins and demons and bandits and all these, these, these different, um, things he has to do, deal with. And throughout that course of of, of adventure that, that he's going on he re, he ran into a sit, certain situation that allowed him or made him realize that he has to go back and fix that family issue that he he broke years ago so he so that set him on a whole new mission where he had to take off and go go fix some some of a, a medallion and then it, it, it united him with some some new some new uh allies and they all they went on this this massive adventure where he he was actually uh uh ran into some old friends of his that uh that that he thought he hadn't seen in years and then they ended up being enemies and all kinds of crazy crazy stuff and there's all kinds of goblins and demons and stuff like that that's going on with with samurais and swords and ninjas and blind ninjas and stuff like that so um it's, it's just a, a cool action-packed uh, storyline that I came out with. And after uh, uh, after I came out with the comic, here's a comic, here's a cool little story twist I could throw in there. After I came out with a comic, uh, I, I printed the first issue and uh, self-published and I I released the first issue in Japan and it sold out almost immediately. So I told myself, great, I'm going to take this success, I'm going to take it to America, and I'm going to launch it at a sh- my first show. So I took it to, uh, there's a show in Seattle, uh, and I took it there. And while I was there, uh, the, the, one of the producers from Webtoons came by. At, he's a producer, editor at, at Web, Webtoons. He came by, and he saw it, he was like, hey, I want you to bring this to Webtoons. He said, but you have to stop sell- selling us immediately. So I said, okay, so I had to pack up all my books and put it up, put it away. And, I, and then I set up a meeting with him uh, at Webtoons and we, I, and we went through this whole campaign to launch it on Webtoons. Um, and that campaign was basically um, heading in a direction that Webtoons had never gone before, which was um, uh, creating motion comics. So they, I became part of their dev team where I was developing and helping them test out a new vein in the, the concept of uh, comics of uh, 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 online, um, you know, scrollable comics um, where you're scrolling through the comic and there's motion and there's there's music and there's audio tracks and all kinds of stuff. So I was re- I was u- u- utilizing a lot of my. Uh, uh uh skills from working in the video game industry to bring into this. and and so I started to implement a lot of those techniques in this. and um and then we started coming up with this comic. and then we we went on a, a, a giant campaign of how, how, on launching this, and we launched it and it ended up being a huge success because they told me that um uh, before well, before we launched, if it hits thirty thousand unique views, um we, that's when they, Consider you know cutting you you know 30,000 and below that's when they consider cutting your comic if it if it uh, if it hits You know uh, 50,000 you're in that sweet spot uh, If you hit it 70,000 you're knocking it out the park. I did a hundred and ten on the first release So I completely knocked it out the park um, um, and, and it kept going and kept going for for a while um, and then we, it, because of its success, we decided, hey, let's uh, sub- submit it for the Eisner Awards. And we did, and it ended up getting nominated <laughs> for, <laughs> for the best digital comic of 2018. And that was when I'm like, hmm, okay, if I'm, I'm on a roll here, I think I need to start doing something with this. So that's when the gods happened to put me and Chris together. And that's when I decided, okay, Hey, I need to come up with a a board game for this. And, and I I was talking to Chris about it. Chris was like, that's what I do. I I create board games. And I'm like, why, why are we not doing this? Let's let's get moving. And then we started working on this and now we're in 2022 and we're getting ready to launch, uh, the, the first board game of this, which launches in a week. Um, which is ex- I'm super excited about this. Uh, it's an action-packed action adventure uh, board game, and you have the two creators right here. <laughs> yeah.
1: so, oh, so, uh, you 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 can, you're very part of the lead because because uh, you you your background is working in in comics. You're you mm-hmm. you're, you're not a small player. You're you're definitely on the top tier. Uh, I know you've done work you've done work for uh, I've. Black Panther, Spider-Man, oh, yeah. which
2: ones, ones have you worked on? So I've worked on tons of them. I've Black, Black Panther. I've done, I have done interiors, but I've done a ton of, of, of covers for Black Panther. Um, let's, let's just tackle the Marvel side. Let's see. I've done Black Panther, Avengers, um, Cable, Uncanny X-Men, um, Gambit. Um Star Wars, I guess you could say because at the time it wasn't it wasn't with Marvel, it was with uh uh Dark Horse when I was working on oh, it. Oh, but, wow, yeah. but now it's, it's everything's under the Marvel umbrella. Um um so I worked on Star Wars for about four years. Um and I did covers and interiors for that. I did a whole bunch of stuff for you know, uncanny X-Men. From for DC, I've done uh Batman. I was the first artist to do the the Batman Beyond series. Um um, I've done Aquaman. I've done the, the Wonder Woman, the, the origins of Wonder Woman. I've, I've done the, that story. I was the first artist to run that that, that storyline. Uh, I've done Teen Titans, uh, you name it. I, I, I there's probably, uh, uh, about 400 books that I've worked on for, for DC. You just have to go through my DC online, uh, um, page and you'll see list of them <laughs> that i've worked on for um for, for for dc but um i think my the my number one best known that i've worked on was the was suicide squad i was the guy who, who did all the suicide squad co- covers and um and the covers i did actually created kind con- of controversy <laughs> within the comic book world which because that was the the the, the breaking of um of harley quinn's new new costume you know jim lee redesigned the costume and then i had to draw i had to draw it and that's when people would first see it was on my cover so people <laughs> fans that were angry about that and they were angry at me and i'm like i didn't change the costume <laughs> you know so but it it was probably like my most famous cover i've done um uh the batman beyond series was uh was was uh in the new york was number one in the new york times uh, about for three three issues in a row three or four issues in a row so i did i did that um uh, and the, the entire series actually was in a new york times for number one in new york times uh it was it, it it sold out three or four times and dc had to reprint it every single time and send, send them out and you know, you know, you know, you're doing good when the the, the top top guy at DC gives you a personal call to tells you congratulations, you're doing a credit incredible job. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> I wasn't expecting this, but yeah, sure, thank you. Uh, so so yeah, so that that was part of that. And then, um, um, other than that, you know, I've I've done I've been working on a ton of stuff. I just finished doing a bunch of Batman comics for. Uh, um, batman giant and um, um uh, oh gosh what's the other the other batman titles i've worked on there's, there's a lot of them i just can't think of them. <laughs> a, lot, a lot and i'm constantly working in, in industry i'm still working in industry i'm still drawing i'm about i'm literally about to draw an Assassin's creed comic coming up so, right now so i'm working on and i'm writing that i'm co-writing that so i'm working on the script and everything so i'm, I'm doing that um and there's a couple other things that's on, on my on my plate so we can talk about that in a minute
1: wow so uh what is the uh because i know oh you look at the credits there's two names attached there's you mm-hmm. and and kevin Griv- Griv- gravata
2: kevin Gr- grievous it's grievous like, yeah yeah be like, just, grievous. Like, just like general grievous from uh star wars yeah yeah
1: yeah uh, and so for the people who don't know uh if you've ever seen the the film Underworld he's he's actually in it and you can't miss him because he's the he's the lead werewolf but, Oh uh,
2: but... exactly yeah. he's a, he's a writer and he wrote himself as, in a, as a as a as a actor as a his his character in the story so so he can act in the movie and he ended up being like one of the most famous you know parts in the movie you know the the one guy that was the werewolf that the voice, you know that that's that's kevin you know he's yeah. he's an amazing guy and he's he literally just finished filming a, a movie you know called king of killers uh uh and he filmed it up in canada um and um um and, and he, they're actually on the edit the, the the cutting floor right now they're editing it right right now so yeah Come look out government. for that movie it's called king of killers it's amazing yeah. i've seen the trailer it's amazing yeah.
1: It was always amazing to me. He has a degree in microbiology. <laughs> he's got like degrees. he's got minors in chemistry and psychology. And this guy's a comic book writer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And just and, and a massive, massive human being. He's just a big presence with a very, very deep voice. Uh, how, did you approach him to to help you with the project? I don't know like where where his involvement is.
2: Okay, so I like I met Kevin through working in the industry, you know, just comics, you know, going to comic cons, that, that type of thing. And I ran into him, and we ended up talking, and we just hit it off, you know. And I'm just like, man, I'm talking to the, the werewolf from underworld <laughs> right now. That's what I that was going on in on my brain, and it was shocking me. Like his voice is real. It's not. <laughs> This is some audio trick. This is his real voice. When you watch the movie with his deep, his voice, I was like, "That's his real voice." Um, um so so I'm so I was just like in awe, just to be with this guy and his his present, and and then we ended up like hitting it off. We became like really good friends, and then he wanted to work work with me on some other stuff. I worked with him on I Frankenstein and a couple of the films that, that that he's been he's been piecing together, um and um. And then and then I I t- and then when I was like, hey, you know what? I'm working on the storyline Brothers Bond and I need it need an expert. This is my like my first story I'm actually writing that I, I've written before, but this is the first time I'm actually writing that I really want to take it to the next level. Um, so I I need like someone who's done it to to give me a polish. So I call up Kevin and I'm like, Kevin, I need I need some help. Can you come on board and can you work with me on it? He's like, He's done, he's like, I'll do it. <clears throat> excuse me and then so so that's when he came on and then um and then we started working on it t- together um and you know he suggested some things i suggested some things and we just kind of bashed our heads together and we came out with this the storyline
1: yeah so yeah uh and then, then you and i gave meet each other mm. and the process for creation obviously took a while um like I can't remember like there's a part of me that I don't understand, I don't remember where my contribution to the setting ends and yours, yours begin. Did you when you when we started having conversations, did you have an idea of what you wanted the, the game to be? Uh,
2: as far as the the, 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 the intricate details, no. All I knew was that in my head, because I was so used to developing games for um, for, for, for PS4 and Xbox and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm used to like, you know, con- console games and PC games. So I'm developing in my brain, I'm thinking that in that route. I'm thinking, okay, I want this to look like this and look like that. And I started to do mock ups. I started to, to mock up what, what the game was going to look like because I actually worked as a concept artist for Sony and a couple of the companies. So so I, that's where my brain was at. My brain was thinking from that that position, concept it out first and then worry about the details l- later. So I had the rough idea of what I wanted. I had some concepts that 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 I that, that I, I had created. Um, and then when I met you, I was already thinking board game. I want to go to a board game, but I have no idea how to do it. And that's when I met you. And then I remember running some of these ideas past you. And then you were looked, you looked at it, and you're like, all right, I know how to do this. And then you just converted basically what I did into like a board game format. And that's basically how how we got started with it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think our our, our eyes were definitely bigger than our appetite because we definitely envisioned a massive game. And then over <laughs> the course of many years we sprawled it to be a more realistic because we had multiple books of maps and it was just, it was a gigantic project oh uh, we're
2: not wishing, we're not canceling that Those, oh, those
1: yeah, no. are, <laughs> it's
2: still coming because we're going to have expansions to the board game that's going to involve all those maps i don't want it to die
1: no no the, the project <laughs> and the page looks fantastic people can't see the page yet but you and i have yeah. seen the page and it looks uh, it looks it looks quite impressive the um the thing I thought was interesting is that for people who are curious, the the game is, is it's story-based where we're trying to semi-adapt the events in the story. So everything you just said, uh, we're not ruining the story because that's all preamble. The story begins with the main character as an adult. Uh, and then we go through his adventures through that forest and we can yeah. encompass the first few chapters of the comic. Now the comic we just you you guys. No, I wasn't involved in this with you. guys just ran a Kickstarter what two years ago?
2: Uh, less than, that. Um, less
1: than that.
2: it was uh about a year ago, maybe maybe even less than that. Uh, but it was a, it was about a year ago we ran ran the the Kickstarter for the book and it, that that was su- su- successful. And now we have the book and we're involving it into the the board game also.
1: Yeah. So people who back the deluxe edition can get the original graphic novel,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is part one. Basically, it's book one, isn't it? Yeah, it's book-
2: like it, it, it. I actually produced two books, uh, so I combine them, yeah, and then there's a third one that's coming out, which uh, I'm in actually in the process of, of finishing that right now as we speak.
1: Now, does that end the story, or is there more after that? Th- that ends
2: the story for now, then for there's now. a part two or a season two that's coming out later which i've already written that part out uh, uh I've, I've done all the plotting for for that and that involves some pretty intense characters already hey, have you haven't so, told me
1: about this this is new i haven't heard i didn't know there was a season oh two. yeah
2: I, I i'll tell you uh, off offline because i'm not <laughs> yeah. giving away the plot <laughs> no, no, at no, all no no
1: no we don't oh, this, a, we... A is if you were to tell us people wouldn't have any context because they had they don't know anything about the first one yeah, it's kind of exactly. like saying yeah. it's like telling empire strikes facts without knowing what's in star wars they are like well the empire <laughs> wait 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 empire and then you have to go like, oh, okay, I guess we have to explain uh, everything that's going to happen within yep. the the confines of, of the story. Um, yep. I, here's something else that's interesting. I We, we just had a, a meeting and I did not bring this up. And I don't know why I didn't, but um, I got, uh, well, I was talking with Paco a few weeks ago and I got hired inadvertently to work on this Robotech uh, board game. Robotech is a very old property, old cartoon series based off of a Japanese anime you might actually know called Macross. Mm -hmm. And there was a, uh, they just ran a Kickstarter and the people, the game designers were from Hong Kong. And they knew me, uh, knew of me because I had done some, I was reviewing all the Robotech board games and I actually have, I have literally have reviewed every Robotech board game. There's about a half a dozen of them. So they sent me uh, their game before their Kickstarter launch. I go, hey, here it is, you know, test it out, see what you think. Mm-hmm. And I said, your game's got a lot of promise, but it has some issues. And I went through the details of what the issue was, and they hadn't launched their campaign yet. So they, hey, well, speaking of, do you want to take a look at our, at our campaign page? And I looked at it and said, you guys, English isn't your first language, is it? And so I went in there and I, on volunteer, I said, by the way, here, here's a rewrite of your pa- main page. Just, just here you go. And they're like, oh, great. Uh, you want to re- you, you want to work on the game? I'm like, okay, sure. And so they, I, I spent a, a week rebuilding their campaign page and then retweaking their manual. And they're like, hey, you want to work on this Dragon Ball Z game we're working on? I'm like, sure, sure, okay. So they, right. so they sent me the, pr- they sent me the print and play files. And You're so last- on,
0: wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. You're working on a Dragon Ball Z
1: game. I, I have been contracted to help them with their Dragon Ball Z game. yet.
0: Why haven't you said anything to me yet, asshole? <laughs>
1: because, again, because I only printed up the files like two weeks ago. And you and I haven't had a, a, a We conference. are in
0: Facebook. You don't hide these things from me. <laughs> no Dragon ben. Ball. Anyway, <laughs> you and I have to have words. Sorry, Ryan.
1: Yeah. yeah okay. This so is our have, marital disagreement. Yeah, I'm not going to veer off topic. We're talking. We're talking with Ryan. But the reason why I brought it up. <laughs> Was the fact that I printed the rules and it's it's a mini based game because they have some minis because this company is out of Hong Kong is they make minis. So I had all the I had like little place markers for the characters and I played with the rules and I was playing them and I am like this is my fucking game. Wow. (laughs) Now, there's no way they could have known it, but now their rules were a little different, right? They it's it is a competitive game when they're battling the characters together, right? And they it has a programming mode that which we which we don't use in our system we use uh some deck building and uh we employ chaining maneuvers but they have but their action role when you pr- so, so with their game you place down cards ahead of time face down mm. and then you reveal them one by one and you're hoping these characters will intersect and do damage to one another the hilarious thing though is that Where they put the action row is exactly how we do our maneuver row. It's just it works differently. But they have finishing move cards, just as we have finishing move cards. And they have theirs in the exact same place on their character board as us. Oh, And uh, when they have a hit, a melee hit, uh, there's knockback where you push the other character back, which our game has. And if you hit an obstacle like a rock, you destroy the rock and you take damage, which is exactly a rule that we have in our game as well. Oh, wow. Right. Now, there is a, a lot more simplistic. They don't have the overmap. They don't have the crisis. It's not its not cooperative. Ours is cooperative. Ours involves journeying across a map and playing a story. Right. And then at two or three or four times during an episode, you build this board and then you have a co- you have combat on this board where you're playing against automated enemies that are controlled via these cards and these dice. Uh they don't have uh, they have dice rolling damage but that's really about it. We don't like we have this system where you're laying down cards across this action row. That tells you what where you can move, what kind of action you can do, and the action card tells you how many dice you can roll and there's five tiers of dice that scale from uh, weakest to most powerful, but the dice do two things. The dice not only tell you how much damage you're inflicting, but they also tell you how well the enemy can counterattack. Which means, on the lowest tier, you're not doing that much damage, and the enemy can counterattack you more severely. But if you upgrade the dice, you decrease the ability of the enemy to counterattack, and you can inflict more damage. So it's more than just increasing the amount of hit points you uh, you can inflict, but you're also decreasing the capacity of the enemy to counterreact. So there is uh, there is a justification in the rules. Now, there are some games that do uh, employ this. Uh, uh, the Hellboy board game, which cleared about $4 million about three, four years ago, which has like 100 minis in a gigantic box, they have a similar system with with dice escalation. Uh, the only thing is, is that their dice escalation just increases the number of hits. It doesn't decrease the enemy's capacity of counterattacking. So that's one thing I liked about uh, the way we did our system is that as you increase the tier, you're actually uh, adjusting two variables, your capacity to do damage and decreasing the enemy's capacity to hurt you. So these are some of the things you can do. But not only that, you when you string these mm-hmm. cards across the row, uh, if you have a certain pattern of cards, you can then activate one of your finishers. Everyone starts off with one, but you can purchase more. Uh, throughout the campaign. But I thought it was really fascinating seeing this Dragon Ball Z game. And, and and their game is about 20% the complexity of ours when it comes to layers. But I found it was really interesting that of that 20%, about 50% of that was stuff that we had done. So I was like, and I messaged them, I was like, this is strangely coincidental because I designed a game that was very similar to this, right? I think their game also, unfortunately, is deeply flawed. The, the biggest issue when you're dealing with a competitive game is game balance which is a problem they had with a Robotech game, where certain characters are simply way more powerful than others. In a cooperative game, you do it doesn't matter. If Yoshi does something that's a bit more powerful than Tanaka, it doesn't matter. They're all on the same side. So it's it's, it's about cooperation, where in a competitive game, you have to make sure that the, these sides are balanced because you don't want one player to have an unfair advantage um, outside of the game. And that's one issue I, I told them with the game. But I thought it was really fascinating that these guys tasked me to help work on their game, which ends up being mechanically very similar to, to ours. Wow. So I felt that was, it was a very interesting thing. And I was just like, there's no way they could have known this because our game has, hasn't even hit Kickstarter yet. Wow. So yeah, that was that was fascinating. Yeah. So the one thing I really wanted to talk about is uh, when we people run Kickstarters, and this is something I've come to terms with, when I'm running a role-playing game, I can dump, a thousand bucks on illustrations, have words, and then and then and then have it run a campaign with very little uh, additional content, and then you know raise hundred k, which my last two campaigns did. But in a board game, we have to have ninety nine percent of it done. We were just talking with Jamie uh, Stegmeier. Uh, you might not know who he is, but Jamie Stegmeier is is a celebrity in board game industries. Mm-hmm. He's designed, I would say, two of the most most three of them. Well. Eight, he ran the company that published one of the most successful games of all time, and he's designed two other extremely successful games: uh, Scythe, Viticulture, are his two babies, and he also published uh, Wingspan, which is one of the biggest games in the market right now. And we were co- we were t- commenting on the fact that there's so much more that players expect out of a board game Kickstarter than a role-playing game. The board game uh, we had to have, as you as you know, about 80 percent of the game finished, all the rules finished. And um, we also had to put a lot more effort. Uh, were you aware of how much you would have to draw and how much illustration you'd have to do for this campaign before it started?
2: Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I, had a sense of it. Um, Cause I, I, I had previously done a, 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 a Kickstarter, but uh, the the board game I, I I knew it would take a lot because I've been on massive teams before where we've done like tons of work. You know I've been on a team where we we created an entire entire playable game for the PS4 in one week. Mm-hmm. So imagine how much crunch work we <laughs> we went through. But these guys are incredible. They know they know what they're doing. Uh, so I, I've been there. I've been on 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 that end of. I've been doing that for probably um, 14 years. I've been working in in video games, so 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 uh, so I, I have a good sense of it. And when it actually came to actually doing this one, I told myself, okay, I just expect it. You know, I'm ready to do it. I'm kind of used to it. So, what what, what kind of
1: work? because uh, you're talking about video games? And once again, I and I do want to bury the lead. What kind of you, can you talk about some of the video games that you've worked on?
2: um yeah um i've worked on uh, sonic the hedgehog um i worked on, not on the game itself but on the 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 cinematics for the game so i did a lot of uh 3d modeling and a lot of just animation and stuff like that. you know compositing and stuff like that so i, I kind of did a little bit of everything over there and then um um, for the PS4, I've done, I, I was mostly on a think tank team. What we would do, we would develop a game from scratch. You would get it to a certain point and then we would hand it off to a third party and let them finish the game. And then we would, um, and then we'd jump back on, on the, the drawing board and start all over again and come up with another game, you know? So we would work in like six to 12 month cycles, you know, that type of thing. So. Uh, within that that fourteen years, I probably developed twenty games that probably no, never saw the day the, the light <laughs> of day. Uh, but then there was a game I worked on, which was Mod um, uh, Nation Racers. I worked on that. Um, I recently worked on the the, the MLB Twenty Twenty Two. I I just finished working on that one. Um, so if you if you're playing the game and you, and you see all the bats, uh, there are all these. Um, just—I think there's about 200, 200 bats that's in the game that you can you can buy and purchase and you know. And, so I worked on a lot of the skins for, for for those bats, um, um, and um, there's a couple other games I can't think of them right now. Yeah. Oh man, but but most of most of the game I'd say like ninety-five percent of the games I worked on were like prototypes, you know. So Sony spent a lot of money and just Prototyping and developing, concepting, and coming up with new directions, and then you know, like some sometimes we would work on a game, and we'll we'll spend like a year and a half, and then they'll say, okay, stop going back to the drawing board, and then they would just start back over again and just start from scratch, completely scratch, and usually it starts with me because they're like, hey, we need you to concept something. Another game where I worked on was Kill Strain. Kill Strain was a game that we came out with, uh, probably. Nine years ago, uh, we came up with the game, and um, it started to to it had a good uh, lead. It had a, a lot of a, 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 a good following on the game, and then eventually it just kind of died down. So Sony just kind of just yanked it off of the the the, the PlayStation Store. And, you know, I still have a copy of it, you know, and I still play from time to time. I try, I try to play. <laughs> but yeah i so i designed all the characters for that game and and you know all the concepting and stuff like that so i was I was definitely part of that one.
1: is there has there been a game that you've that you've seen and you you point at it and go oh the, I, that's me i did that
2: um
1: yeah <laughs> like you, like, see a, you see a character in a game like oh that's my guy
2: uh um mod mod nation yeah definitely you, you'll, you'll see that because well the thing about mod nation they have uh Um, like set characters, but then they have, you have the ability to actually like design and create your own. Um, So I worked on that, but a lot of stuff I did was a lot of like props and vehicles and stuff like that that I worked on. Um, I did some character stuff, but it was, it was mostly props and vehicles. Um, And for um, the only thing I I could say that I I could say, yeah, this is a hundred percent. This is like me. I can see my work was on the kill strain, which kind of kind of went, went flatline at some point and they just yanked it. That's so, true, I, I have no control from, from there. Once I d- I'm done with the designs, it's out of my hands. I have no control with anything else.
1: It's like me so. working on a movie set. It's just like, here's a line and then I see the movie like, oh, they cut it. Oh, like, yeah. It's like, I like All my that. line. I like my line was better. Uh, so going back into the campaign. So the campaign mm-hmm. launches uh, a week from today, which I'm uh, mm-hmm. recording this mm-hmm. on the 7th. So it record it posts on the 14th. Mm-hmm. And um, it, uh, it looks quite beautiful. And you get uh, the core box is how much? Um, let's see. I have it right here,
2: right in front of me. Oh, I had it. I'm not sure. Where did I see it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. what, what The, the like, numbers. are. Uh, I want to be accurate, so I don't want to. I think I
1: it's $89. $89, yeah. That's the core set. And you <laughs> get... Uh, you get the, the standard edition. The standard edition, and there are mm-hmm. are th- does those those do those have the minis or does the deluxe have the minis?
2: Um, the, the deluxe has the minis. The standard okay. edition has the standees. Yes,
1: yeah, so standees. So, so you, have, you have basically card standees. Uh, you have the you have the uh, the battle maps, which are these decks of cards where you build the battles. Uh, that's there the other thing that of them.
2: Right. Hmm? isn't like 380 cards.
1: Well, when you break it up, because you you have the battle map cards, which is what you use to create the the battle. Now, the way once again, the way Dragon Ball Z did it, they used tiles, uh, which which don't have a, which is weird because there's no detail of the tiles, which I thought was very strange. It's just just a gray block uh, of tiles, and uh, but ours is cards. You actually you hand out and you build it, and then the map, the story will tell you how to configure that uh, that configuration to to reflect what the battle is going to be. Sometimes it'll be a long battle, sometimes it'll be a wide battle with a big obstruction in the middle. Uh, and Then you have the, it's a deck builder, so there's starting cards for the players that are unique to each character. And then there's general, general starting cards, but you could also purchase advanced cards that are permanent additions to your deck because the game does get more difficult as you uh, play through. And... Um, you get right now. We have the three base enemies, but we're going to expect to have a, a potentially as many as twenty to twenty-five enemies, depending on the on the uh, stretch goals. And then, uh, then the the deluxe version is how much? One thirty. The deluxe version is how much?
2: The deluxe version is uh, one thirty-nine.
1: Yeah, and that one gives you that one swaps out the four characters uh, standees with minis, mm-hmm. and that also includes the comic, right?
2: Uh yes, it includes a comic. And yeah, you get all you get all the minis. Yeah. And,
1: and what's uh, the other cuz there's another level above that is in there or there's one or two levels above that.
2: Um I think that's it. Oh, think...
1: isn't there one for $399? Oh, oh,
2: oh, oh. above it. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking. I'm thinking yeah, there's so there's another one right after that. That's uh 399. So, yeah. And what's that one? That one involves a uh, original art so you actually get um, some original, some original art from that one. So, and so we're, from, we're from your
1: to, from your own pen,
2: from my own pen and pencil to to your hands in your pocket, it's yours. It'll be your art that will be there.
1: Yeah. So. And so and then we have stretch goals, and these stretch goals include uh, more illustrations, more cards, uh, yep. a fifth character uh, named Kano, and yep. potentially more monsters and uh, other cute little upgrades. Yep. Get some
2: spotlight you um, UVs and a couple of things in a you know scenario book too.
1: oh, yeah, expand the scenario book, so like I think there's like six or seven episodes and we could add more and get mm-hmm. a, get it to ten or twelve. and you and I have been working on adapting the story so it's it is it is it is a it is an adaptation of the story. It's not a f- complete faithful adaptation because we are adapting it to our to to, to make it playable within the format of the game um trying to think what else is there because uh obviously we're hoping this game does very well and mm-hmm. it, it obviously looks like it it looks the part it it has a great uh, gloss to it uh, I, we, I was going to ask you what you what the future was but apparently you already have a future you just haven't told me apparently there's not only are there potentially three or four expansions for this one game but apparently there's a second season coming down the line too so i got my work cut out for me if this does well
2: yeah yeah so it's um I'm excited I'm excited for this so um I'm I'm just I'm just waiting I, I'm just waiting to see to to get the the, the countdown launch. so we can get moving What on what
1: that. made you do this uh I, I you mentioned like you you, you love um a Japanese anime but why like so why did you like, why did you elect to use that that mm-hmm. visual style, that motif? Because obviously, I'm, I'm I've looked at your other comic stuff, and I don't see a lot of anime inspired. Yep. What made you go with this visual aesthetic? Uh,
2: I like the challenge. Um, I I have a range of art styles, and I decided I need to. I want to challenge myself. Um, it's it's just basically re- reinventing you, you, you who you are. You know your brand. Um, so I wanted to incorporate. Uh, some some of the other art techniques that I've been practicing throughout the years. So I decided to go in this direction. It's a, it's a little, it's a lot quicker in the process than to actually draw my traditional art style. Um, uh, like this is uh, Godard's truth. When I was working on, on on the on the webtoons comic, I was doing one issue every four days. Wow, um, so that's how fast. I'm, and it and the issue has about sixty something panels that was in there so i was knocking them out that's how fast i can go so that's why i went in that direction because i needed a style that would uh that that would support the, the 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 needs for the pipeline so i i went in that direction plus at that time i was um heavily traveling back and forth to japan uh i was doing some work for some japanese companies and the ongoing narrative and what the feeling I was getting was a lot of Japanese and a lot of Japanese companies and a lot of Japanese artists. They have this um, opening or this this area within their mind where they 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 wanted to incorporate a mixture of Western and Eastern art, art styles. So I started to go in that direction. So I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna entertain it. I'm gonna see what what I can do with my art style, mix it in with a little bit of anime, you know." Um, and but but I wanted to 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 lock it and nail it within the the, the Asian world. So I kind of I chose Japan around that time because I was already well versed with the Japanese culture and you know constantly traveling back and forth through it. So I just kind of stuck with that. Uh, and I, I had people that were trying to tell me, why don't you take it to China? Why don't you make the characters Chinese? And why don't you do this and do that? I was like, I feel like, okay, that's been done before, but it's not where my heart is at. I don't want to do that. I really want to I really want to explore and, and push the Japanese culture and the, the Japanese li- lifestyle. So I kind of went in that direction and I have no fear. I, I am not there's a lot of artists out there who won't go in certain directions because they're afraid To try something new, or they're afraid. Like I'm not, I'm not comfortable with joining in this direction, so I just won't go. For me, if I'm not comfortable with joining this direction, that's opportunity for growth. So I'm ready to challenge myself. I'm ready to jump right into it and um, and just just you know let you know throw 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 my marbles on the table and let's see what comes out of it. You know, if I fail, I fail. If I pass, I pass, and great. You know, so at least. My thinking is this, if I fail, um, at least I'll know what not to do the next time. You know, I'll try it and I'll, I'll, gain, I'll come out of this with experience, knowledge, and knowing what not to do next time, you know, and at the end of the day, I have an IP. So I'm like, oh, great. I'm gonna, I feel like I'm a winner every, for everything I'm doing. So that's, that's kind of why I went with that. So,
1: Do you still do the Twitch streaming? I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't done it in a while because I I have
2: been focusing on another project <laughs> I've been working on in the background, which involves Stanley. Uh, so you I talk about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, I'm part of a, a really small team that we we are finishing um, a couple IPs that Stanley was creating before he passed. Before he died, and um, and they, they, you know, I'm part of this the the team right now, and the team involves some pretty, you know, high people within the the, the, these companies. They're they're purposely keeping it small, Um, and we're slowly leaking things uh, through um, um, uh, what's the name of that? Oh, my brain just fried on the, the website. Uh, I'm ble- um, on um, BleedingCool.com. Bleeding so you go to BleedingCool.com and just basically search for Stanley Genesis, and you you get us you'll, you'll you'll see some some snapshots of uh, some of the characters that's in there. So what we're doing is we're developing um one of the the projects we're developing a tv show which i cannot talk about it that's all that's the most i'm going to say and the other one is is uh uh the board game which i could talk a little bit more about that that one so we've been again because
1: yeah, that was that's what did leaks uh, um genesis
2: <laughs> yeah yeah the, the Stanley genesis is the board game that we're we're creating um so we're creating a board game we're going to be launching the kickstarter for that one in september so around that time so you know give give or take a couple of weeks um but that's the time frame that we're looking at to launch it so we're it's involves 200 characters uh that 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 we're creating um uh, and i'm designing all 200 of them right now and i'm on the path i'm actually <laughs> Get ready to finish all 200 of them within the next 10 days. I have 10 more days to get this done. So,
1: and let me okay. guess you've done five of them so far, and, uh, <laughs> and you'll crunch said. and do 150, 170 or so in the last two days. You'll just get
2: yeah, it. I wish it was like that. Oh man, I would not sleep at all. So, but full but disclaimer yeah.
1: though, uh, I, I, I am not involved on this game. No, uh, I am not involved. Uh, I wasn't asked. <laughs>
2: he wasn't asked no yeah this it's a really small team i mean a team of like two that's it it's, <laughs> it's not it's really small
1: and so that know? and that launches in september
2: yeah yeah so you're starting so, your own
1: little empire aren't you
2: yeah okay. we're starting i'm starting my own little thing um um and we're so once we have this launched we're going to see where where that goes uh cuz i mean it's stan Lee. you know it's you, you can't help but to you know it's 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 gonna it's going to sell <laughs> you know stanley's name attached to this so I, it's I my eh? honor was that
1: i assume you've met him i guess hey eh?
2: oh yeah yeah yeah. i met stan um i have a story behind that one too oh, um sure. <laughs> so i have a story for everything so basically i met stan when i first met stan was when i was first coming into the industry even before i stepped foot in there in the industry i met stan what happened was um i was in college and i was um i i I created a a portfolio trying to to um get into comics so i submitted a portfolio to image comics and they accepted it you know so jim lee liked my work and he's like "I, i want you to come work for me so I'm all excited. I'm like, I'm getting ready to draw comics, but I've never been to a comic book convention in my life. So my friend was like, "You're gonna go to a comic convention." So he sent me. He he took me to a comic con- convention, and and then when I got there, um, I'm sitting at a table, and he's like, "Just draw and you know get take commissions." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." So I'm I'm just doing that. And then when I was there, <laughs> Stan was there, and he had a line of people it was stan and john remita jr they were both sitting right right next to each other and uh they they, they had a line of people and i said I'm, i I want to go meet stan so i just walked over there and i just skipped the line i'm just like i'm not waiting in that massive line i so i just skipped the line and i walked up to him and i was like hi stan you know blah blah, blah. i showed i, I met john remita jr first and i showed him my my my, my portfolio just so he can get, he can look at it. He looked at it and he gave me his, his, his critique. And then I went to Stan and I, I was, I was going to show it to him. But I was like, nah, I don't want to show it to Dan. So I just shook his hand and I just talked to him for a little bit. And then I left and I was in my brain. I, I wasn't mind blown that I saw Stan Lee. I'm just like, okay, about Stan Lee, big deal. You know, it was like that. And then throughout the years, you know, things started getting bigger you know he started getting bigger as 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 a as a, as, a, as a creator as who he is um and then when i, I was in japan and i was at the tokyo comic con and um i started to I, I was one i was the i think i was the only western artist that was there in artist alley at the time um it was probably me and maybe one other person I think it was one one of person. I can't, don't quote me on that. But we were there in artist alley and I ended up taking over artist alley because everyone came to see who's this foreigner, you know, you know, at Tokyo comic-con and he's doing like, you know, good, good work. And he worked for Marvel in DC, you know, so people are freaking out over there. So I, so I started developing this massive line of people and then, um, And then I took a break because a friend of mine who was um, he was the videographer for Stan Lee. So he would follow Stan and he was documenting like the last days of his life or in his old age. No one knew he was going to die yet, but it it was just like in his old age. You know, so he would just follow him and document a lot of stuff he was doing. So he came to me and he was he was, hey, you want to go meet Stan? I was like, yeah, sure. And Stan had this massive line of people. So Stan took a break and he went into the green room they call them green rooms for, for those who don't know that's it's a room where you know comic artists and celebrities can you know they go in the back at comic cons and they, they take a break so stan went there and he took a break and i got in and i'm walking in there and i'm there stan lee and i'm like and i shook his hand and i was like stan lee and he was like ah like that kind of like he the same way he acts in whenever you see him in the in like the movies and the cameos that's exactly how he acts in real life uh so i'm like sitting here and i'm like he's all quirky and he's like telling me stories and i'm telling him stories and i'm like man this is great i'm standing right here having a powwow for like 30 minutes with stan lee and then um, I'm like, I, I wasn't like a fanboy at the time. It was just more excited to just like, oh man, this is you know, this is cool. Just two guys just, just swapping stories, you know. Um, and I didn't get a chance to tell him about you know when I first met him and from before I came in the industry. But but that but that's what happened. We ended up just like talking for what, for a minute. We took some some selfie pictures t- together. We were like old buddies. We hadn't seen each other since college. That's kind of what it was like. Um, he was that open. And then um, and then after that, I left and I went back and I went back to my table and I just kind of finished doing what I was doing. Uh, But that was like a highlight for that show. Um, That was the very first Tokyo Comic Con I went to. And it was it it was super excited to just to see Stan Lee, you know. So I have other stories, too, for other uh, celebrities, but I'll say that I'll, I'll for another day.
1: Well, I, <laughs> I mean, we all, I'll, I mean, you tell, tell you guys day.
2: when I first met Mark Hamill, too. It was kind of nutty. But, <laughs> oh, man, that was a crazy one.
1: Oh, see. I could drop names, too. It's like, oh, I, I met uh, Alan Tudyk and I've met Kevin Smith and <laughs> I've met Mark Bernardin like five or six times. Yep. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I've
0: met Desmond uh, Tutu.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> the,
2: yeah
1: he's, wow. Name dropping. You're know, you the crazy. Uh, You're know you know the craziest uh, celebrity drop anyone's ever told me. Like this is not even my encounter. There's a friend of mine uh, that was that ran security for one of my jobs. He was like he was the chief uh, loss prevention officer, and his background before he became a loss prevention officer is that he was a bodyguard in Vancouver so he goes he goes yeah i got some photos you want to see and he shows me a photo as he goes through it and i'm like um uh and he shows me one photo it's like he's like yeah this is my photos like yeah that's me with bruce campbell i'm like oh wow Ooh. you he's like you you know uh you uh you, you know uh, you've guarded bruce campbell he goes, yeah he's a super nice guy i love drinking and all this stuff and and then he goes through all the photos and all the other celebrities. And I stop at one. I go, wait a second. Go back to that. He, he just browsed past it. It's like, is that Salman Rushdie? <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah. I I, I, had to, I was a bodyguard for Salman Rushdie when he was in Vancouver. Like, you bodyguarded Salman Rushdie? Like, I can imagine if you're a bodyguard for Bruce Campbell, you're not really worrying about, but if you're a bodyguard for Salman Rushdie, you're like, dude, that's... That's, that's a, interesting. He's like, yeah, you're, yeah, trust me. that's He's a super nice guy. We took photos. Like, yeah, but it's like, if you're a security guard like anyone you protected, well I protected Salman Rushdie. Well, Salman Rushdie is still alive, so obviously you're doing your job correctly because there is still technically a fatwa on his life. <laughs> but that was that was the craziest one he showed me. He was going through the whole ones. I'm like, "Wait a second. That dude is Salman Rushdie." Like, of all the celebrities that you would guard, that would be the one that that was the one that got my attention the most. Not Bruce Campbell, but you guarded Salman Rushdie anyway that was that's the, that was the only thing i thought was very was interesting you, you brought up desmond too, so i just reminded myself of uh my wow. friend of mine bodyguarded salman rushdie because you're like you 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 better be on on guard there you can't be like oh salman rushdie died under my watch it's like oh damn it he's been bodyguarded for for damn near 30 years and he dies under your watch obviously no one's gonna hire you anymore to be a bodyguard yeah. Like no one, no one wants to be the bodyguard where Salman Rushdie dies on your watch. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Paco, do you have any other questions? I
0: do. I do quite 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 a number of them. So I'm gonna keep them to a minimum. Um, I'm I'm very interested in one thing. Um, firstly, what is what's been the difference between designing for you know comic books and designing for your own game? What's what's been the challenge there?
2: Um, <laughs> actually, um. The you're 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 kind of targeting two different audiences, but there are similarities at the same time. You know, comics have a certain demographic that you're that you know you can pretty much go in like any direction, and and you can create a comic for that, a comic for this, and just kind of you know. To me, when I when I visualize board games, there the board game community is tight. I mean, this is what needs to be done for board games and you need to, you can't just be like a novice just kind of creating it. So you have to have people who are like, you know, who, who know what, what, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, to me, where, where, where the difference is. Comics is more, it's a lot more easier to, to, to develop a comic. You can get a novice to create a comic and just put it out there. You can have anyone who's a seasoned person who's doing something. Uh, I've met people at, at, at comic conventions, who's never even been to a comic convention before, and they've never done any work before. And they just decided I'm going to draw something and just get a table and put and sit out there. And they were successful. So I've seen it. So, um, so it, it really depends. Um, the thing I like to tell people is like comics is like a cheap, easy way of de- developing an IP and testing it with an au- an audience you can literally do it for no money down and just all just time and opportunity, just draw it. That's basically it. You know, games is different. <laughs> you know, you, you're gonna put, you gonna put some time and energy into the game. You better know what you're doing, you know? So, cause yeah. And I've seen it on both sides on the, on the, the, the board game and on the, the video game side of things, you know, even developing apps, you mm-hmm. have to have some kind, some sort of expertise in there, you know, uh developing that so you just have to be careful with that one so yeah and and, and i've been a designer on both for, for for both games and um comics i've done i've designed characters for the star wars world i've designed characters for you know batman world the batman beyond world i have designed uh i've redesigned doc ock before i've redesigned um uh cat cat uh uh, I had to design a bunch of characters for you know the Wonder Woman world, uh, um, uh, so it's it's constant it's constantly it's constant stuff like that that comes across my my, my plate and it's pretty easy now. I'm doing the stuff for Stan Lee. I'm designing 200 characters for scratch. No one has ever seen them, and they're coming straight from my head, straight to to, to paper. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm riffing off of the my my the the isms and the essence of Marvel that, that, that I've, I've I've picked up throughout the years you know but, but a little bit of a combination of both marvel and dc and uh you know golden age silver, silver age type of uh characters uh modern age stuff so i'm constantly you know jumping back and forth now we have a guy called plunger man like, you'll see him <laughs> weird a guy with a plunger on his head you know it's just a weird quirky type of characters you know
1: making so, flashbacks so. of the tick
2: yeah. <laughs> pretty, much. <laughs> pretty much pretty much pretty much yeah. okay
1: um the, the game is
0: a um as you mentioned is, is an asian based uh, game mm-hmm. because the, and, and you've mentioned how you're very interested in the in asian culture um what steps have uh, have you taken to make sure that there is um that there are no mistakes when it's about representation when it's about diversity when it's about the asian culture within the
2: game because um, people
0: are very, very, very much looking into that sort of thing at the moment. Yeah, yeah
2: I have been doing a lot of research. So I I, 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 have physically traveled back and forth to Japan, doing tons of research on that, on that, on that, that end. Um, you got
1: married in Japan,
2: didn't you? No, no, no. But uh, I did. Um, I, I my, my, my wife is Korean.
1: because <laughs> yeah, you said I'm going back to Japan to get married. I could have sworn it like, wait a second, what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So my, my, my wife is Korean. And my son, my son's in the background talking right now. So, um, <laughs> um, so basically, here, here you go. I, my son's back here.
0: That's all right. Don't, don't worry about it. It's you are a family man. You have a family. It's absolutely, okay. absolutely, totally fine. And people should okay. be.
1: Sure.
0: good with that yeah. so
1: god knows paco's dog like like exactly yeah exactly so the,
2: the other thing i can say is um i i have a, I have a manager he's japanese and he's like my go-to guy for anything japanese anything japanese culture related any translation i need um hey I'll, I'll, when i was designing the world i was constantly emailing him or calling him and say hey there's this there's this concept in Japan that I've researched. I'll give me more about it. What did you know about this? So I, I I I pretty much I this is I I jumped into this. I wasn't just making stuff up. Um so I I and the reason why <clears throat> is because in the story, the bedrock of um the the the, the forest that, that where where they grew up, where thing everything happens has uh it's it's written as it's the portal or the the Bermuda Triangle for all spirits anything spirit voodoo you know uh um just you know spiritual related anything anything any uh like um any any like crazy stories you've heard of of monsters or fantasy stuff that's basically where they dwell. They dwell and they live within this forest. So I have to basically get all my Japanese, J- Japanese goblins correct and, and all the storylines behind certain things correctly and everything, even certain customs and cultures. But if you look at the art, you'll see it's not 100% smack dab Japanese art style, even in the the design, because I wanted to implement a little bit more of a Western type of mixture in there. When I was designing it, I didn't want it to look straight 100 Japanese. Um, so I, th- I I went in that direction just to so I can I can um, entertain both audiences at the same time and 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 just make come up with some something new, a new direction, a new visual direction, a new theme behind certain things. You know, so um, you know I, I didn't want to follow a blueprint that was written and, and done before. I wanted to come up with something new and creative.
0: Well, what have you learned from this, um, you know, board game design process that you will be taking later on to develop your world and the, the stories that you're going to tell within this magical forest?
2: Um, <clears throat> okay, say, say that one more time. Uh, I was thinking while you were uh, asking a question. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay can 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 you repeat the question yes, one more of course. time Yes sure 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 thing
0: what, what what have you learned during the development of this game that uh, you will be able to take later on into the development of your story your comic the, the whatever is going to happen in this magical forest what, what's what's been the
2: oh i i can do that
0: i i can i can use that
2: um hire chris again <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's- and then the, then then the campaign bombs and I'm throwing a the puzzle. Well, it was all his fault.
2: I yeah. to your game. <laughs> no, um um I've learned a lot. Uh um like I said I have this my 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 core nature is is no fear. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid. I'm not even honestly to this day I have no fear of like ghosts and ghost stories and you know, all these voodoo, and blah. I have no fear of any of those, these things, you know? Um, so I am not afraid to dive into and jump into into the things that I've never done or, or tested before, or, or you've touched it before. So, um, so I will, I'm definitely going to carry that, that nature with me, you know, as I'm creating and de- developing new things in the future. Um, um, one thing I can, can say about developing, uh, what I've learned about developing a board game is um, you gotta surround yourself with people who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And um,
1: why'd you, you hire me you, then? <laughs> <laughs>
2: you 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 know what you're doing. Trust me. Um, and you have to research. You have to be able to know what what you're putting out there. Who who, who your audience is. What you're putting in my, out to. Um, so you have to do research from multiple angles, you know, you have to incorporate multiple people when you're researching, uh, you, um, uh, you have to, to, to test your audience and, and the best way to test it is to develop a comic book, develop a comic book, test your audience, see what, what kind of feedback you're getting. If it fails, no big deal. You're not, you haven't spent that much and you can just push it aside and just keep moving forward. You know, it's no big deal. Uh, but a board game, if it fails, it's like, oh man, oh, what did I do? You know, kind of. Like, that's kind of that's the feeling I'm getting. So, so I, I, I am, I am pretty sure we're going to be successful with this one. Um, uh, I, I don't. Let me knock on wood right now. Oh, this is particle wood. I'm looking <laughs> <real> wood. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm gonna knock on some real wood. Um, so, yeah. So. That's one of the things that I would definitely say is is, is research, 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 and um, don't be afraid to try anything that you've, you haven't tried yet. Um, I, I say the same thing when I'm teaching art because I am also an art teacher. I have a, have a studio, uh, a workshop called Comic Pro Boot Camp, and I teach. And it's just not just me. I, I partner I partner with three other artists, uh, art, uh, Alex Sinclair, Wills Portasio, and Carlos DeAnda. And we teach professional comic book art to people all around the world. And we do this in person. So these are live classes. These are not watch a video and hopefully, you know, you can get it. You know, this is, we teach you, we actually correct you as you're drawing. We will take the pencil from you and we'll correct you as you're, you're you're working on certain things. So these are, this is hands-on training that, that we go through. And that's one thing that I tell people all the time is not to be afraid to try new directions, not to be afraid to test or or to try a new path, a new art style. That's how you're going to learn because uh, here's a good story. (laughs) Like I said, I'm a story person. Um, When I first got into into, uh, developing 3D art, uh, I came from the comic book world, a 2D comic book art world. So I was constantly drawing hands all day long, faces all day long, feet all day long until I started to build those same attributes in 3D, that's when I realized, wow, okay. And I went back to um, drawing in 2D. I'm thinking as a 3D artist when I'm drawing now. I'm not thinking as a 2D artist. So I'm drawing in 3D as I'm doing it. So I'm seeing the same hand, the same foot, the same head that I've been drawing for years and years. I'm seeing it differently now because I decided I'm gonna try a different art style in a different direction. So that's a good example of what I'm talking about, not to be afraid to try something new, you know, um, expand. That's the only way you're gonna learn. And the last thing I'm gonna say about that is, um, um, if you're an artist trying to get into the industry and trying to learn, and you're trying to develop your skills and one day you're gonna be a concept artist or maybe a, a sort of studio artist doing that or a graphic artist doing this or that, try a little bit of everything because what studios are looking for, they're looking for a broadband artist, someone who can pretty much jump from one team to the next team to the next team to the next team, or jump from one project to the next project to the next project to the next project. If you're only known for drawing hands and you draw amazing hands, but horrible feet, you're only gonna be hired to draw hands. You wanna be able to draw hands, feet, you know, arms the back the jacket that goes on the body the head you want to know, know you want to know how to draw everything so learn to be a versatile art artist uh learn you know get get involved with the 2d arts get involved with the 3d arts and just just learn as much as you can and just develop yourself as a roundabout artist and get in there as the best as the best advice i can give to the any young artists or potential artists out there who's thinking about getting getting into this industry
0: that sounds very wise um considering the uh, absolutely ginormous success that this kickstarter campaign is going to have yes that is a prediction um and it is going to happen because i said so uh, i'm going to predict that you're going to get about, 30, about three to three and a half thousand backers um at the very very minimum uh, the last time, by the way, that I did a prediction like this, I grossly miscalculated this. I said 1,500 and they got over way over 200, so to, to, over uh, 2,000. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's my prediction. So, considering the overwhelming success that this campaign is going to have, and the, the next logical step is to have a series done, would you prefer Disney+, Plus, HBO, Netflix or Amazon to make your series? <laughs>
2: Oh, that's a hard one. Um, yeah, Brothers
1: Bond animated series. You go. Yeah,
2: I think Brothers Bond would probably fit the Netflix genre more than anything, because um, there are some some pretty, you know, intense scenes. Um, like uh, I'll 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 give you a little bit of this one here in the the the, the end of the the new uh season i'm writing right now there's going to be these gigantic massive godzilla type creatures that's in here that's they're going to be battling so um that's all i'm going to give i'm not going to give any more than that so um so so stuff i got here your first
1: folks that ryan's doing godzilla (laughs) 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 ah godzilla
2: oh man god that would be crazy no, but I, you I, know, I,
0: the... you know, I'm I'm glad you said Netflix for for one reason, and oh. one reason alone, and it's Arcane. I think that is possibly one of the most beautiful animated series I've ever oh, watched. Oh yeah. Arcane and is if they amazing. did something like that with your work, I would be nerd nerdgasm uh, throughout the day <laughs> watching that thing. So yeah, definitely. Oh, Netflix. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Arcane is a, a very unique beast. I don't like that's that's lightning in a bottle. That show. I mean, we you combine the storytelling and animation quality. I, that's one of those situations where you're like. How did that happen? It's like oh, it's, you know, I think it's, it's the only it's, animated it's, it's series
0: a, where I have yeah. actually cried. I kid you not. That oh, series man. touched me. That was amazing. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. So yeah, hard. so yeah. There you go. <laughs> Any other what? What, what do you got left there, Paco? What's that? What's in that big brain of yours?
0: Um, well, when are you going to hire Chris to do the role playing game based on your comic book?
1: <gasps> oh, <laughs> he's
2: already hired. It's immediate. <laughs> it's immediate.
1: I. I really i, I to do a do a to do a 5e brothers bond role-playing game i could, i i can could, i can i can i can out that prose in about in about a week i i, I could just i can be like it's like Ernest Hemingway just just i'll just be i'll be on alcohol and cigarettes and speed and i'll just fire that thing off in a weekend I could do that i could
2: you know <laughs> yeah that's um, talent, folks. That's talent right there. I it's am a,
0: an, an enabler of talent.
1: There you go. I'm, well, the, I'm, the biggest hurdle for me is mind. always artwork. <laughs> and was like, well, all the artwork is there. All I need to do is make sure that the writing's on par.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. That's the next Kickstarter sorted. That's the series sorted. I'm going to shut up now because it kept, if I keep doing this, you know, you, the next thing is that you're going to well, buy Marvel. What we'll do so. is
1: that once this Kickstarter passes a mill and we run this campaign for the expansion uh, next year, We'll do, we'll do a role-playing game as part of that same Kickstarter so people can either get the expansion and or they can get the role-playing game. Because that's what Sandy Peterson did when he re- when he launched um, the second uh, version of Planet Apocalypse is that it was the sequel and he also threw in a 5e role-playing game to go along with it. Mm-hmm. There you go. So there you go. Interviewing will, and, and we'll...
0: business planning all in one go. Booyah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to shut up.
1: Th- no. <laughs> well, thanks, Ryan. Thank you for... Uh, Splitting some of your time, if you know the, the massive celebrity you are, you're going to be in Comic Con, right?
2: Yes, I will be at Comic Con. Uh, I don't remember my 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 table number, but just follow me on, on Instagram at Ryan B N J M N. That's my handle. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's pretty much my handle for everything. You know, Facebook, which I use rarely, um, Twitter, Instagram, and pretty much any social media that's out there. That's what my handle is going to be. Um, so you can follow me there and also, you can also follow me, uh, uh, on my uh, my other Instagram, which is the comic pro bootcamp. So, so look, look that up and you can follow, follow me there on that one. Um, and I do do live, uh, uh, live streams on Twitch. Um, so every Monday nights. But I haven't done it in a while but I am planning to get back into it probably in like a month after I'm done with the the whole Stanley project. So I'll definitely be able to get back on what you
1: need to do you need to run one, not next Monday, but the Monday after and just talk about brothers bond so you get that audience going right.
2: All right, all right. I'll do that. I'll I'll do that just just for that. That's that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Right. And, the, <laughs> and the
1: and the and the and the campaign will end uh the week before uh San Diego Comic-Con. So you'll be going into that convention either in a super good mood or really miserable. We'll see. I'm predicting <laughs> yeah. I'm predicting a really good mood. Yes. I'm
2: predicting it's good cuz we have plans to to get things going on backer kit too, so. <laughs> I'm definitely I'm definitely hoping everything takes off, so.
1: grand con for me um because grand con i'm I'm gonna be at grand prairie at the grand prairie convention and i think i'm trying to remember that is uh the week before july 15th so the campaign will end uh just after that so uh, i'll i'll i'm sure i'll 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 slut for the uh for the for the for the the game there as well but it will be after the fact so yeah, so I'm so I'm there a week before. That's why you're. I, that's why I couldn't get you to to come to Grand Con because you got your big massive. Oh, look at me! I'm so special going to San Diego Comic Con. Yeah.
2: So uh, yes. Lake Como's better.
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. why don't you throw that one down? So the reason why he he couldn't make a couple of meetings because he spent a week in Lake Como, you know, hanging out with George Clooney. I imagine. <laughs> At the and what uh, is considered to be the most expensive or the most valuable uh, comic convention in the world, because there yeah. is there is a, there's an extreme like considered the most the richest comic con in the world is in Lake Como because of course yeah
2: the, the tickets are pretty expensive and and they're only allowing a, a thousand tickets <laughs> that's it maximum oh. yeah yeah that's impressive
1: yeah but then he's like oh I'm at a convention in Lake Como like. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The cool thing about it, it's uh it's like a, a convention that's all artist alley, one hundred percent artist. Yeah, alley. there's no
1: there's no celebrity, there's no cosplaying, it's just nope. it's just art, it's just comic.
2: Just art. And people are there to buy original art. If they're not there to buy books or prints. They're there to buy original art. That's it.
0: That's amazing. So, so
1: that's it's a convention entirely populated with uh with Samuel L. Jackson's glass character from Unbreakable. <laughs> this is art. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Well, thank you, man. I appreciate sure. it a lot. Uh, like I said, the convention launches on uh, on you know, on the 14th of June. Last uh, goes on for 30 days. So, you know, hopefully, everyone who listening to this will jump on that campaign and th- throw it some love. All right. All right. Well, thanks, man.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much indeed for being there. Truly, truly, truly appreciate it. And I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this interview as much as we did doing it. Uh, I'm really, seriously, very much looking forward to having Ryan back soon. And I hope that you will take a look at the Kickstarter project, which there is going to be a link in the show notes. Again, if you want to be featured, if you want to come to the podcast, we would love to have you. Uh, do let me know. Email me, podcast at gmsmagazine.com. I would love to have your product reviewed in the channel, in the YouTube channel, here in the podcast, anywhere you want. Just, just let me know. We're here for you. This is why we do this podcast. This podcast has been made by Paco Garcia, that would be me, with the help from Chris Diaz and Martin Reed. The music has been composed by Kev Alset. Once again, thank you very much for being there and until the next time, I will talk to you very, very soon. Take care.